morning. The church say man again. The song says, there is nothing God can't do. Uh, I, think that, I think God deserves a hand of praise right there, right? I think someone in the scriptures, the Bible says that someone asked God, uh, Moses said what? Is there anything too hard for God? I mean, look at that. He's done the greatest thing for us by saving us, right? That's probably one of the hardest things there is, right? So the question is, is there anything too hard for God? My goodness, my goodness. I used to sing that song a long time ago. Read that song, Rob. I said, well, excellent job, man. God bless you, brother. There's nothing God can't do. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good hope. How are you doing today? We thank God once again for uh, this opportunity to uh, stand before you, uh, to share with you. Uh, it's been a, a whirlwind 2018, and so now we are already into 2019. I would just pray that you are off to a good start and that God has been blessing you to accomplish some great things. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what it's all about. Each year you look back, as Paul says, I forget what's behind me, but what I do, I press forward, right, to what lies ahead. Uh, as Pastor always say, his, his best days are behind him, you know, kind of, I mean, his more days behind him than in front of him kind of thing. So the goal is that we make the best of all of every day we have left on this earth. Amen? Amen. Because God granted this to us, right? And so therefore, we should be involved in what he's doing. Amen? Amen. Um, First of all, I want to also th this morning thank you all for your love, uh, for your concern, for your prayers, uh, and your financial support as well, as you sent me on my last two mission trips, uh, one to West Africa and one to East Africa, uh, Uganda as well as uh, Ghana. Uh, as Pastor said before, your giving, uh, Good Hope, was truly a blessing, uh, not only to me, but also to those that uh, God has allowed me to bless uh, at the discretion of our pastor and as the spirit led as well. And, and it was just an awesome time from that respect. Uh, I want to just once again thank you for that. Uh, There's a writer in the book, uh, uh, has a book, uh, his name is Mark Stockdrill. He says, the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. Again, the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but it's sending capacity. Yeah. And Good Hope, I, I believe we are, good, we are a great church, but I think we're also on the way to becoming an even greater church. Amen? Because it's not about what we do on the inside of these walls. It's the impact we make in people's lives on the outside of these walls. Amen? Yeah. Amen? And so I, I believe that God has, has done some great things through us as well. And one thing I want to thank our pastor publicly, I thank them all the time privately, uh, for the opportunity to... Um, I guess for allow God to carry out his gift in my life through his ministry. Uh, many times uh, I had a chance to share over there in Ghana this last trip over here uh, back in the first of January time frame. Many times uh, it's a problem as well. A lot of pastors don't allow their associate ministers to preach or speak or do anything because many times they feel threatened by them. <laughs> they're going to take their ministry or take their church, all those kind of things. I say, well, the whole thing is what the pastor has been called to this church. And so the goal is that they should be able to release those individuals in their church to serve God in those ministries. Because what does it do? It's an extension of their ministry. And so I'm always thinking, God, uh, no matter where I go, if I'm in Ghana, Uganda, no matter where in the world, if I'm teaching, my slides always say, Mark Sloan Facilitator, Dr. D.Z. Cofield, Senior Pastor. Because I go representing him and his church and you all. For sure, I go for God as well. But I want to make sure wherever I go, I want them to know that I'm coming, going under the back of the bow, senior pastor here. Amen? Amen. 
So I want to take a few moments here, if you don't mind, to show a few pictures and stuff from the trip, uh, the last two trips to Ghana and also um, Uganda as well. Larry, what you got on the screen for us there? Can you start at the very beginning, please? There you go. Go even further than that. To the very, very beginning. Keep going. <laughs> to the very, very <laughs> the T-O-P. <laughs> I think you're going the wrong way. Well, that's it. Well, it's gone. <laughs> Did you get it? <laughs> it's coming. Hope you don't mind. And the sermon is short this morning as well, so that's why we're going to tie it all together. Amen. Well, the first part of the trip, I went to Uganda. Um, this was a blessing in disguise. Uh, it was a, a vision trip, so to speak, in 2017 when I had a chance to go there. Uh, Lord Chin, in 2016 time frame, uh, uh, said, the next time you go to Ghana, Uganda, Please make sure you go by and see Timothy. Uh, so okay, no problem at all. I'll go see Timothy kind of thing. And so didn't know who he was uh, from that respect other than uh, he was a uh, Ugandan. This is my host, Timothy, and his wife, uh, Solange. I guess she's the first Solange, I guess you can say. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she's a very, very good cook. You can do a lot with a little. But in any case, uh, uh, with these guys over there, anyway, uh, I went to, to Ghana in 2017 time frame by myself. And then left there, flew over to um, Addis Ababa, from there down to Kenya, down to, uh, to Uganda. And I sent them a picture before I left to go over there, and they didn't get it in time. The internet's kind of slow. And so when I got there, they thought I was white. <laughs> because my name is Mark Sloan, okay, so it's not a traditional black name per se. And so I got their pictures to know who he looks like kind of thing. When I got to the airport... About two in the morning time frame, a lot of folks outside waiting for to get off the plane, kind of thing. And I come out there and I saw him. So I go running and grab my hook. Hey man, how you doing, Timothy? Oh, 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 okay, all right, this is him, okay, kind of thing. He was expecting a white guy, kind of thing as well. And so, so it was a big surprise to those guys as well. But from that moment on, we just fell in love with each other from the standpoint of brotherly love and kind of supporting as well, kind of thing. So Timothy is the principal of West Uganda Baptist Theological College. Go to the next slide, please. And so I had a chance to go there. Uh, to preach a, teach a class called uh, a pastoral ministry class. Okay, pastoral ministry. These guys are all millennials. I was the oldest person in the classroom, and, more, and the youngest person was the age of my daughter. <laughs> so it was awesome to see that millennial generation there, how excited they are about learning God's word, about being trained, and wanting to go forward to make sure uh, they can serve the best they can be. You want to go on? Next slide, please. And uh, while I was there, uh, at the school there, had a chance to support some of the students there financially from the standpoint of what they were doing. Uh, this is a, a church on the campus there called uh, Kibudada Baptist Church. Uh, this church was planted about five years ago. Next slide, please. And uh, this guy is who's in the short guy is the pastor. Now, Pastor Andrus is about this tall. And you can see me kind of squatting down, trying to, like he's wrestling kind of thing for me to kind of get my arm around him. Because he's just so, he's just so short kind of thing. But all of you gone is a pretty much short kind of thing. Uh, he's, the senior, he's the pastor there. He also started a seminary back 25, 30 years or so ago as well. Okay, so he's the founder of the seminary. So he kind of passes a little church there. That's George to his right, his right-hand man. And that's, again, that's Timothy there as well, Timothy's son. Next slide, please. Uh, this church here, you can see, if you notice the floor of this church. Can you see the floor? It's dirt. That's right. That's right. And so imagine, now they love to dance and sing during their worship services, right? So you can imagine as they sing and dance and enjoy themselves and worship God. Yes, indeed. So, so good hope. Because of your giving, guess what? We bought 50 bags of cement. Okay. Because of your giving, bought 50 bags of cement. So I told them, when I come back next year, the floor should be done. 
This church here has uh, uh, just black walls, no lights, no electricity, uh, dirt floors, and uh, they just had a really good time. All right. So welcome to me for this guy. Next slide, please, Larry. Uh, I preached that Sunday. I was there, and it was their fundraising Sunday, building, building fund Sunday. And so I preached on uh, in Exodus out of Moses uh, at getting the children of Israel to bring in supplies and money and everything to build the tabernacle kind of thing. And so when it's time for the offering, you know, building fund Sunday, they started bringing uh, bunches of bananas and mangoes and bags of corn, all those kind of things. I'm thinking, this is not money. <laughs> no. This is, I mean, what are you going to do with this kind of stuff, and so to speak, as well? Lo and behold, again, me a Westerner, thinking that you got to have money for a building fund project. Well, at the end of the service, they auctioned it off. They auctioned it off. And so they turned all the produce that they had from the fields and everything like that to money. Okay, now, so if you didn't have five, five U.S. dollars, but you may have had a bunch of bananas, or you didn't have... Uh, Two U.S. dollars, but you brought some mangoes from your trees, or you brought some peanuts from your garden. They brought all those things there, and I'm sitting there thinking, "What this for? This is kind of ridiculous." Again, Western thinking, right? But they brought what they had, and I'm sitting there saying, "Lord, I'm sorry." (laughs) So I'm prejudging them based on what we do over here in America, kind of thing like that, and we thought thousands and thousands of dollars, kind of thing like that, and they bring in food. And they auctioned it off kind of thing as well. I can go along into the story as well. Next slide, Larry. Uh, this is a young man playing drum. Look at his drum set. Uh, Cedric, where you at? Look at his drum set. But he was just as happy as a lark playing drums for the, sing- the singers that Sunday morning. All right, next slide, please. Oh, this is a beautiful one here. When I was there in 2017, I uh, went through one of the classrooms there, and they had musical notes on the board. And I was in music many years ago as well. I said, oh, man, okay, cool. Y'all teaching music here kind of thing. What instruments do you have? Oh, we don't have any. Okay, well, you're teaching music, but you don't have any instruments. Well, we don't have any. I said, wow, that's, that's kind of, I'm thinking to myself again, Western thinking again. You can't have music without an instrument, right? But he's teaching uh, theory. And so I said, well, a uh, young man named Stephanie, I'll show him to you in a second. I said, hey, what do you need? Well, man, he can show you a trumpet. Okay. And that was in summer of July, July 17 time frame. Well, when they called me to come back again this past fall, uh, past fall time frame, I said, oh, trumpet. So I called on Sir George. I said, George, I need a trumpet to go to Africa with me kind of thing. So George with uh, Brother Brian here and all the deacons put together and bought a trumpet. Next slide, please. The guy on the left side, is, is, uh, his name is uh, Sithodiko, but his name is really Aristarchus out of uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. He's about that tall. And so I brought him a trumpet. And, man, you saw this guy was just jumping and shouting and singing, man, because now they have an instrument to try to teach the students with music appreciation kind of thing. <laughs> this is your giving, good hope. And then so now we're at the outside of the little guest house there. He's playing the trumpet and the chorus and trumpet sounds. What happened when trumpet sounds? People come up. Okay. So Boniface, Boniface on the right side is a student from the Congo, a refugee, live in a refugee camp, come to go to college, to try to learn about the Bible as well. Didn't have any idea that Boniface also plays the trumpet. Boniface came up. Now, when I met him in 2017 time frame, couldn't speak a lick of English. Not one word. And so now, when I went this past time, he can speak. You know, he can carry on a very small conversation in English kind of thing as well. But coming to find out, when in refugee camps, years or so ago, they would get instruments together, go find a place, set up, play Christian songs. When folks come up, they preach the gospel. 
I'm thinking, wow, Lord, this is some awesome stuff here as well, too. So both of them were playing there. So basically from that day on, this was on that third day I got there, from that point on, every morning, 3.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, the trumpet <laughs> wakes everybody up. Because this place is about that down from mine as well, too. Next slide, please. Uh, the graduation, of course, we had a chance to uh, uh, preach at the graduation kind of thing. The very first time. All because of your giving, good hope. So, I get there that Monday, before the graduation on the 24th, the Saturday after Thanksgiving time frame. So that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, Timothy, they're all hustling around trying to get things for the graduation. Everything all right? Yeah, man, we just, you know, just struggling trying to get the budget together for graduation. We're not getting chance to make it. Oh, okay, well, what, what you got to get? Got to get a couple of tents out there. Got a sound system out there. Got a band coming in as well, too, kind of thing. Got to feed all the people. Got a few people coming. Got to feed all these people. I said, oh, man, okay, well, what does it cost? So he told me this number in uh, uh, Uganda, sh British uh, shillings. It was 700 U.S. dollars. I said, here you go. And they just, they just fell out. Because they were struggling to figure out how they were going to pay for the graduation. All these folks coming, they didn't have the money. And so you're giving, again, <laughs> pay for the graduation kind of thing. This slide, Larry. Some of the students who graduated, they had 13 students who graduate. Uh, about half of them were Swahili students there, and uh, half of them are, are other from uh, either Kenya, uh, South Sudan, or Ugandans themselves. Next slide, Larry. Uh, then we left there and went to Boyeli. Uh, they said it was a 10-hour drive from where we was. It was 15 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a long day of riding to get from here to there kind of thing as well, too. Let's go a little further. Uh, there I had a chance to do a little leadership seminar there. Keep going, Larry, all the slides. And while there, we also went to a little school called Grace Memorial uh, uh, Nursery and Primary School. Next slide, please. Uh, next slide. That's the school. That's the school. It's called Grace Memorial Nursery and Primary School. That's the school. And so basically, the school that you can see there is basically open to the weather. They had basically four classrooms for this in that school there. Next slide, please, Larry. But they had a graduation while there, um, and they had six students who graduated. Next slide, Larry. Uh, six students who graduated. Now, when you see the students, you wouldn't think they were ready to graduate. Look at the faces. They were, like, mean and mad. <laughs> but they had walked from about almost a mile celebrating with their parents. The parents just yelling and shouting and screaming. They were celebrating, celebrating more than the kids were celebrating to get to the, get to the school grounds as well. Back to the slide again, Larry. And so these kids got, uh, graduated. I had a chance to speak at the graduation as well. My translator there. But it was a great day also, too. And so guess what? We were able to, you're giving again, bless that school with some money to help put some walls in that school. You're giving. Not only that, we're also able to bless 13 orphans. Now, it's a poor community anyway. And now you're a family who's already in poverty, per se, and now taking in an orphan. As well. So we blessed 13 students the last year. We're going to also try to start a, a pen pal type thing as well. I was talking to Sister Mitch about that already as well. Next slide, Larry. Left there, went to a uh, little part of town called uh, Milktown as well. I did a little uh, leadership uh, seminar there. Next slide, please, Larry. Some of the folks who were at the leadership seminar. This one, my uh, Moses, he's one of my translators there. We was laughing about something at this point in time. We had a, a great joke or whatever it was kind of thing as well. Keep on going, Larry. Now, on the second day of the seminar, Young man, his name is Seth. You can't really see his face with the white shirt on. That's his wife and his, two, his son and daughter right there kind of thing. That Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, we were driving to the conference, to the little seminar. We stopped to pick up a goat. I'm thinking, okay, let's get a goat. Okay, big deal. And they put it in the back of the truck and everything. Got a goat in there. Okay, that's what they do, you know. 
I see how we learn from our, our packing skills. That's where we get it from over there. Two riding to go to the car for the, someone out with a goat, back of the car. He's back there, yeah, kicking around, all that kind of stuff, period of time. So then sit in the car the whole day. At the end of the day, get back last. They get the goat, bring the goat in, and he presents him to me. He was so touched by the seminar on that Monday, because he wasn't coming at all that Monday. He decided to stay home kind of thing. I guess the fear worked on his heart, whatever it was, his wife talking, whatever kind of thing. And he came. And he was so blessed that the next day he bought me a goat. <laughs> the goat's name is Seth. Next slide, please. <laughs> this is a picture of the goat the day I left him over there as well. So I told him, well, we're not going to eat him. You must save him to next year time frame as well. So that's the goat named Seth. Now, the goat, uh, we got him there. They got him real fast. And so uh, the plan is it's a castrated goat. Okay, we're going to sell the goat and this male goat, of course, obviously. You get a female goat, so you can have some uh, mini goats as well, kind of thing, from that standpoint. So <laughs> next slide, please. That Sunday morning, I preached the same church Sunday morning. It's one of the members who were there as well. Keep going. All right. Uh, came back from Ghana, Uganda on the 5th, 6th of December time, time frame. Was here three weeks or so. Went back to overseas again to Western Africa, to, to Ghana. I uh, was invited to go to a, uh, it's an association called the Good News Bible Church, their National Pastors and Leaders Conference kind of thing. You know, there was 150-something pastors that was there, and little old me. Next slide. Uh, they had my name in lights, too, as well. I was like, oh, my goodness, man, this is, uh, feels pretty good there as well. But they had my name up there, real small letters. And so some of the students who were there as well, uh, most of them all pastors from like two, three years experience up to about 35, 40 years experience time frame from all over the country of Ghana. I had to go speak to, uh, I had a chance to speak to those guys there as well. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, some of the things that's going on. I made some notebooks for everybody. Uh, Pastor, I, I did clip a lot of trees. I'm sorry. I know we're saying trees is, paper is bad, but over there, I, I talk bad, and so it's easier for me to give them something in writing, and they follow me along rather than me talk and try to write, right? And so I gave them all kind of notes and everything from that standpoint as well. Great time over there from that standpoint. Uh, Prof. Green, next slide. Uh, uh, most last one in the seminar as well, kind of thing. It's four days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, Prof. Green gave me some material. He knew I found I was going to Ghana and for this conference kind of thing as well. And uh, even for Uganda, he gave me uh, a slide and uh, a chart of his. And I put this chart here about Christ, the kingdom, and the church. And he kind of walked around this chart here, kind of give an overview of what God is doing in the big picture standpoint. Next slide. This chart here was very, very powerful as well. I was reading a book called um, uh, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. Okay. And uh, this guy named Clay Scroggins, he's uh, out of the Andy Stanley camp. And I wrote this book. He had this chart in this book as well. And uh, I got some feedback on the, the pastors from the conference standpoint to find out what they like and all those kind of stuff like that. And so uh, I walked with this chart here. Beautiful chart from the standpoint of how it changes your attitude no matter where you are in serving kind of thing. Very, very beautiful. Very beautiful. Next slide. Uh, we also had some fun. Uh, since it was all pastors there primarily, I uh, went through scriptures there and pulled out about nine functions of pastors, what pastors should be doing in churches and stuff like that. And I created a radar diagram. Uh, my new Bible study, I saw this diagram back a year ago time frame as well. And we had to go down and I, I talked about each of these particular areas, what God calls pastors to do. Okay. And after that, they had to do a self-evaluation. Okay. And then plot it on a little radar diagram. So the goal was everything inside the red, this is a sample here, inside the red dots is where you are, so to speak. And then from where the red dot, the line out to the blue line, blue line is God's requirements. Okay. And then where you are in the radar diagram between the red and the blue lines, where you're supposed to uh, opportunities to grow from that standpoint as well. I had a great time. And then after that, next slide, Larry, we discussed the 10 characteristics of a healthy church kind of thing. So it was a great, great time. So give yourselves a hand, good hope this morning. All that was made possible because of what you're, you're giving. 
because you're giving as well. Amen. You know, the most interesting thing, though, about this whole trip was that uh, the fact that both of those opportunities to go serve were not initiated by me. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, in other words, uh, Timothy in Uganda and Pastor Stephen in Ghana requested that I come, and I was more pleased to go than they were to have me come. More pleased to go. Because I was honored that they said me. They said me? I got emails and phone calls, all those kind of things like that. But it reminded me of a passage of scripture here when a young man in, in the Bible also had a similar experience as well. That's what I want to go to now. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Luke chapter 16, I mean, uh, Acts chapter 16, uh, had a very, very similar experience. You have on your notes there on your handout already filled in, so God bless you for that. Um, it's already filled in for you. But Luke says Paul received a Macedonia call. And I likened this trip, both of those trips, to a Macedonia call. Again, I didn't initiate the trip at all. They said, hey, Mark, can you come? And so the goal was, after talking to Pastor Kofi, I was able to go. And so today I want to look at this idea of the fact that for us today here to look at our own lives, where we are today, and say, how does God want us to live our lives? And the question is, or the, pro the subject is this, answer your Macedonia call. Every last one of us in here, you and I have a Macedonia call. All right. It went out before the foundation of the world. Because the Bible says God has already preordained things for you and I to do already prepared for his kingdom, right? Amen. It's already prepared. Ephesians 2.10, right? So therefore, the call has already went out. But the goal now is for you and I to answer that call. Yeah. You and I have a call to make. Just like Paul had his call. The same thing applies to our lives today. You and I have a Macedonian call as well. Let's look at the text real quickly here. Uh, for context-wise, when we read verses uh, 16, verses 6 through 10, Paul says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing through Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision, of, a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging them, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Again, our subject real briefly this morning here is answer your Macedonia call. As we've said, each and every one of us here today have already received our Macedonia call. It's going out already for us to see it, hear it, and also to apply it to our lives. One of the greatest lessons that you can find from Scripture is that God tends to use those who are already busy. I look at my life and how I was so busy, busy with engineering and traveling all over the world. And God, like, okay, time up for that. I got a job for you to do. And I had to put that down and say, God, that's enough. And then he said, go over here and do something else for me as well. When God called Paul, he had already was very busy. He and Silas was already in the middle of their second missionary journey. 
God had called Paul to take the gospel to what? To Gentiles and to kings and to rulers. God does not use lazy people in any great fashion. In any great fashion. When God looks at the church and places his hand on folks to use them, he always chooses those who are actively engaged already in his work. Already in his work. We need to remember that, that he saved us to serve him. And as we are faithful to work in the small task that God assigned us, God will somehow in some way and someday open up larger and greater and more important avenues for you and I to serve in. If God cannot trust you to do the small tasks, (laughs) I don't think he will use you in great ways. He can still use you, but not in great ways. In other words, we should have an insatiable desire to reach people for the kingdom of God. Bottom line, once we find Christ in salvation, and I have the same problem as well sometimes, too many of us lose our zeal to share Christ with others. We get comfortable hanging around other Christians, doing Christian things and going to Christian venues instead of looking to share Christ with those who are without Christ. As Pastor says, there are two kinds of folks in the world, those who know Christ and those who don't know Christ. And both of them need Christ still, right? Those who don't know him need to know him for salvation, right? Those who know him need him for sanctification, right, to grow in Christ. Friends and brothers and sisters, we must always have a vision for the harvest field. We must regularly kindle our hearts with a burden for the lost. Those who aren't in God's family. Those who haven't experienced God's grace yet. Those who don't have eternal life. So that's our challenge. Answer your Macedonia call. Our first point simply says this. See the vision. See the vision. Verse 10 says, 9 and 10, again, a vision appeared to Paul, a man from Macedonia standing, paraphrasing, and urging Paul saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. A vision uh, is an instrument of divine communication. I mean, God can use to communicate to us in various ways. God can use visions to communicate his will to us his plans to us, to reveal his plan to us, all sorts of things. He can communicate us in visions to put us where he wants us to be. But in this case with the apostle Paul, God used a vision to communicate to Paul his will. Paul had came from the east. He wanted to go north. The Holy Spirit said no. He wanted to go south. The Holy Spirit said no. And God showed him in a vision, no, go west, young man. Go west, young man. That word, that, that word uh, urge, uh, the word uh, parakaleo, it carries the idea of the call to one side, to urge, to appeal, to beg, some translation says. He was begging Paul, come over to help us. You know, it was not time for Paul to minister in Phrygia or Galatia or Bithynia, but God says, Paul, no, I want you to continue to press forward to the West. You see, when it comes to ministry of you and I as Christians, God has already divinely communicated to you and I in his word exactly what he wants us to do. He's done so. It's called the Great Commission, right? It's called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18, 19, 20, you see the notes there. Mark 16, 15, the notes there as well. Luke, John, and also Acts 1, 8. 
in all four of the Gospels and also the book of Acts, God communicates to you and I his great commission. Five times, five different times, God said what to do. If God speaks one time, we ought to listen, right? <laughs> but he did it five times to make sure we don't miss the picture at all from that standpoint. To this end, what is our mission statement at our church? On three, ready? Good old mission statement, ready? One, two, three. Pastor, leave the room, please, sir. Uh, these are our people. Uh, I heard a few over here. A few deacons said over here. Let's try it again. One, two, three. We will. Uh, I want to stop. I want to keep on going. I don't want Pastor sitting in this one. I don't want to. <laughs> Ooh, all right. What about our mission, our vision statement? And I'm not going to try to get you to read that. I'm going to read the vision statement for you. It says, <laughs> over the next year, it says, Good Hope will, through a small group, celebration, missional model, serve people in our target areas, 77004-021-033-051, and the Houston metropolitan area, to help 2,000 new people make our church the place they can believe, belong, and become all that God wants them to become. Wow. Even every God-given vision has a built-in challenge. It means what? We got to do something. <laughs> yeah. We just can't sit there and read it or not know it at all and say, oh, God, God's going to get it done. He will, but he wants to use you and I. Oh, boy, a God-given vision is never for you to stay where you are. It always challenges you to move somewhere else kind of thing. It's interesting that text there, uh, when you go down to verse 10 again, that word, um, Verse, 10, verse 9, 10 again, the word boetheo, uh, it's the word to come over and help us. Uh, that word carries the idea of to, to, to help, to come in the midst of certain things and to aid from the standpoint of what someone is doing. Paul is simply saying that God has called us as a church individually and collectively to see what he wants to do in the world. It was amazing. Every place that I went in the world thus far in my little ministry career, God was already working when I got there. My, my. God wasn't waiting for me to get there to start the work. No. Who am I? The, song, the, the word says what? God works in what? Mysterious ways. And it's wonders to perform. And so he's already working all over the world just waiting for you and I to get there to witness what he's doing. To take part in what God is doing. Let's go to our second point. Not only must you see the vision, but you almost must hear the call. Verse 9 and 10 again. Paul saw the vision. The man was talking, right? He said, Paul, what? Come over and help us. Paul heard him speaking. Do you realize we live in a broken world today? It's broken, isn't it? Marriages are falling apart. Jobs are lost. Our government shut down. There's poverty. Loved ones are dying. Our justice system is broken. People go to bed hungry every night and on and on and on. You can think of some other things as well. There's terrorist attacks. Tsunamis. Hurricanes. Earthquakes. All these things. And I hear often people say, 
I'm so glad that I have Jesus Christ in my life. I don't know what I would do without the Lord. But think of all those in the world who don't have Jesus Christ in their life. <laughs> do you realize the gospel is the only hope of the world? It's the gospel. People will never be fulfilled without God in their lives. They were empty without God being in their lives. Isaiah says in Isaiah 57, 20 and 21, these words, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up, toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. They can't find peace in the world today. But David says in Psalm 62, verse 1, what? Truly my soul finds what? Rest in God. That gospel message you and I have, that message to carry to the world. That's exactly what God wants us to do. We even saw in Matthew 9, 36, that Christ says what? When he saw people, he says what? They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, he wants to be their shepherd. He's a good shepherd, isn't he? He's also the great shepherd, isn't he? Is he been good to you? Well, guess what? He wants to be good to them as well as their great shepherd. Christ even said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. People are God's focus, guys. People are God's focus. Paul saw a man in the vision. Not an angel or just heard the voice of God. God wants to impress upon you and I today that our focus ought to be on people. Yeah. Not primarily on the pursuit of fun things, entertainment, creature comforts, all those things. Not that they're bad within themselves, but our priority, our focus ought to be on people. There was a missionary one time came into this pastor's office for a visit. And the pastor's in another meeting with his staff. Missionary was admiring his office. Man, he said, my goodness, man. Nice stained wood floors, hardwood floors, beautiful oak desks and credenzas, beautiful nice plush chairs. His wall was filled with a nice hardwood built-in library, all filled with all kinds of books with all various colors and all color-coordinated and everything, all kind of pictures on the wall and plaques on the wall. And the pastor came in, he says, hey, how you doing? And the missionary said, man, you have a wonderful office. And before the pastor can kind of take pride and say, and agree with him, he says, what? Too bad it's going to all burn up. <laughs> we can't take anything with us, guys. It's all going to burn up one way or another kind of thing. The same can be said for our lives, our cars, our furniture, our computers, stereos, houses, all those things, our money in the bank, all those things, what? It's going to burn up one day. According to scriptures. But God's focus is on people. Why? Because we can take people with us to heaven. You can take people to heaven with you. Jesus Christ died for people. Hmm. God's focus is on people. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 15, he says, this is, a, this is a trustworthy and deserving full of all, uh, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save 
sinners. So Jesus Christ loves people. Guess what? We also ought to love people. We also ought to love people. So again, answer your Macedonian call. See the vision. Hear the, hear the call. And thirdly, man, move to action. Lastly, move to action. Real quickly here. Verse, verse 10. And when Paul had seen this vision, Luke says, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Wow. Did you notice Paul trying to second guess God? My, my. <laughs> so God, is that really what you want us to do? You know, that word immediately has the idea of straightforward, in haste. In other words, get on with it, so to speak. You see, you and I today, guys, we have a place to serve. It could be your Houstonian call. It could be your third Wardian call. It could be your Acadian call. It could be your South Parkian call. It could be your Sunnysidean call. It could be your Mosidian call. It could be your Humboldtian call. Your Friendswoodian call. Your Medicalsinian call. No matter where you are, that is your call. We ought to make a difference in the world exactly right where we are. The Holy Spirit pointed to Paul to his place in the harvest. That place was in, the, in Macedonia. Now, when you go to finish chapter 16 out, 17 and 18, Paul goes to Philippi. He goes to Thessalonica. He goes to Berea. He goes down to Athens. He goes down to Corinth. So God opened the door for ministry big time in Paul's life. And so when God tells you and I to answer our Macedonian call, guess what? It's a call to change your thinking. It's a call to get beyond your comfort zone. It's a call to get rid of your pride. It's a call for you to trust God. Paul had no idea what awaited him when he got to Philippi. <laughs> got thrown in jail, didn't he? Got beaten, didn't he? Had to run out, got run out of town, didn't he? had no idea. But Paul says, I'm going anyway, and I'm going to leave the results up to God. That's what he did. Leave the results to God. This was Paul's heartbeat to be in the Lord's harvest, to be working, to be laboring, to see the great ingathering of people into God's kingdom. That should be our heartbeat as well. God put you and I here so that our neighbors can find God's forgiveness, so our co-workers can see the light of Jesus Christ. So our friends can hear the gospel. Wherever you are, that is your place in the harvest. But not only do you have a place in the harvest, but also what? It's an urgent call, guys. The text says Paul immediately didn't wait to see what was going on. He didn't consult with anybody to find out if it's really true or not. He said this was God calling. He said what? He concluded that God was calling him to preach the gospel to them. That should be your call as well, no matter what you do and where you go. Immediately. And the whole thing also is what? We must know that God intends to use us, guys. Paul says what? God had called us yeah. to preach the gospel to them. Listen, guys. In light of eternity, it don't really matter who's going to win the Super Bowl. The Cowboys not playing, so it don't matter. 
know, I'm a, I'm a Saints fan, but the Cowboys not playing. It, it don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter who can win the Emmys or the Grammy Awards or the BET Awards. It don't matter who can win this, uh, the marathon today. It don't matter none of those things. What matters is eternity is at stake for those we come in contact with every day. You have been gifted to serve, guys. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11, he says what? As each one has received a gift, what should we do with it? Use it to serve what? One another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, and here's why, in order that in everything God may be glorified. How? Through Jesus Christ. And to him also belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. You and I have been gifted to serve. You and I have been empowered to serve. God gave us his power. You can't serve in your own power. That's why we have the Holy Spirit to indwell us for that very thing as well. And so therefore, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, brothers and sisters, get on with it. Be steadfast, he says. Unmovable. Always abounding in the works of the Lord. Because he says, you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I conclude this morning here. Answer your Macedonia call. See the vision. Hear the call. Move to action. But there was one, though, who also answered his Macedonian call. It's more like his humanitarian call. That's right. He saw the vision. Before the foundation of the world, he saw you and I in a deplorable condition. He saw us totally depraved, helpless, sinners, enemies of God. He saw us. And we could not even cry out to God our own, to our own because the Bible says what? There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none of us who seeks after God. But guess what, though? He heard the call. God heard the call of our hearts. It wasn't an audible call, but he heard the call of your heart and my heart. He didn't just sit there and say, oh, well. What did he do? He moved to action. He became the first cross-cultural missionary. He left his mighty throne in glory <laughs> to bring to you and I the redemption story. And the song says what? He died and he rose again just for what? Oh, but I'm glad. So glad he did. He answered his humanitarian call for you and for me. And so he says now, because he saved us, and all he's done for us, now he wants you to answer your Macedonian call. Let's pray that God will challenge our hearts to move us to a point where, I forgot one point there. When he says, come over, saw that? Thank you, Lord. He says, come over to help us. That word, come over, has the idea of to cross over or to pass through. You see, Paul had to cross over the Aegean Sea to get to Macedonia. Yeah. All right. All right. So, 
what is it in your life that's hindering you? That's a roadblock in your life. That you got to cross over to get to what God wants you to be. You may think it's too high to get over. You may think it's too low to get under, too wide to get around. But the goal is, it's in your mind. Is it your pride again? Is it anger? Is it your fear? Is, your, is it your comfort? What do you have to cross over <laughs> to get to what God wants you to be? He wants you there. And that's why he empowered you to do what you can do through the Holy Spirit. You got to cross over. It's not a cakewalk. The enemy says, no, he want to resist you. So you got to press. You got to lean into it toward that mark. You got to cross over to get to what God wants you to be. To answer your Macedonian call. God bless you this morning. Thank you for your time today. God bless you.